0: Good evening, everybody. I hope you had a good afternoon. I hope you uh, enjoyed it very well. I hope things that we discussed will be helpful to you uh, in your journey, your walk with God. I wanted to speak, since it is a short lesson tonight, because tonight is singing lesson uh, or singing night, I wanted to speak on an important subject, uh, one that affects about everyone here, unless uh, you can't talk yet. But uh, if you can talk, then uh, it probably affects you. And that's how we use our speech uh, how what we say impacts others and how they respond to us. And boy, that vent is going to be something that's kind of bent up right behind me. But uh, how we use our speech is a very, very important matter, uh, especially for us as Christians. And uh, I've got just kind of a short a little example on how things are changing in life in life as of late I've noticed that uh, at some restaurants used to be you'd walk in and they'd say hello or how are you Uh, how may I help you do you remember those days Uh, those seem to be kinda going away here as of late I walked into a restaurant uh, not too long ago and I was some distance from the counter yet and the person behind the counter looked at me and said do you know what you want and I thought, boy, that's, uh, that's not hardly used to what I'm used to uh, being uh, approached, especially in a business. Uh, somebody wants you to come back, somebody's trying to entreat you to get your business to, uh, to bring you to them. It seemed like to be a statement of less warmth, uh, no personable uh, interaction, uh, not courteous, and uh, it just kind of took me aback. That things are changing like they are. And I know that's a tame example, but a lot of what you hear in life is coarse, it's repulsive. Uh, you look at things on TV and it's really not very attractive. It's not inviting, it's not return worthy. How about that? Uh, it doesn't make you want to come back uh, and see it again or hear that. But the way we handle our own way of speaking is a very important matter. And uh, sometimes it doesn't take much to turn somebody away. And I know that many of you that have been in the church a long time know that to be exactly the case. It doesn't take much. Let's go to Colossians chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. The Bible tells us, "...walk in wisdom toward those who are outside, those who are outside of the church, redeeming the time. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one." we're not called just to be our in our best behavior when we gather together here in this building i know that we are we try to be doing the best we can say just the right things uh... very mindful of how we act and uh, talk to one another but that should be just as important on how we talk with people who are outside the lord's body the lost uh... to us they should be as important to us as they were to the lord who came to seek and save the lost the words act wisely toward them people of the world are more likely to judge the church not by what the Bible says but by how you act when they think about the Lord's Church they look at you they look at how you talk to them they look at how you act to them uh... they look at this congregation here by how we uh, present ourselves to them we should be wise uh, People decide if they want to come and be with us here by you, by you, the Lord's body. And I think how we speak is a very important uh, part of that. The apostle uses the words redeeming the time to buy back, to buy up, to rescue from loss by buying up the opportunity. Vine says making the most of every opportunity, turning each to the best advantage since none can be recalled if missed. Have you missed opportunities? And I'm ashamed to say that I have. I have. I've missed far more opportunities. I have not used them to the best that I could. Maybe you think to yourself, boy, I'll get another chance, or one thing or another, and sometimes you never do. Maybe you will, but you miss that one. And that's a hard thing to live with, I think. Our speech is to be with grace always at all times in all circumstances it should be kind and gracious the word grace there means that which bestows or occasions pleasure delight or causes favorable regard i think it would kind of be if my own words return worthy they'd want to come to you again it'd be something that would be pleasant interaction it's a kind of speech designed to attract people not push them away seasoned with salt not corrupt but pleasant pure and wholesome and it's not easy sometimes especially building uh, working with contrary people some people just want to fight they're not very pleasant especially when you have to defend the truth but nonetheless God wants us to do our best in every situation after all the souls of men are at stake and as members of the Lord's body we do more good and more damage than perhaps we really realize. Our speech and life should be according to truth, not only on the outside, but on the in. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 15. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. The truth must be spoken. There is no room for false doctrine of error in the body of Christ. We have to defend it one has said that jesus was the embodiment of the truth that he preached he lived it he walked it and we are trying to live like christ to grow up to be like him not only must the truth be taught for those brought into the body for those who are trying to encourage to become a christian but it causes us it is through the truth that we grow up to be like christ to take on his traits to become like him It's so very important, but that's not all. That truth is to be taught in love, and we state the truth to others. It's to be with love of their souls, a sincere desire to them to do good to them. We are not unfeeling, but with the deepest sympathy, the deepest urgency, not in compromise, but with the incredible weight of knowledge of what happens to a soul that is lost. I think that's what drives us, isn't it? to know that there are lost, and we love them. So we try to speak to them the truth, but in love. Unfortunately, today, many view love as an emotion. Don't hurt your feelings. We may uh, uh, try to speak to point out error, and today it's being considered hate speech. They want to outlaw it. If you want to talk about Jesus and what he taught, they want to shut you down. They don't want to hear it. That's hateful. They want to live their life with no guilt. They want to live in contrary to the word of God, but telling them is wrong, they don't want to hear it. And that can't be in love. That's not love. For if they live a life in violation of God's word, then it is not living their life in truth. John 17, 17. Sanctify them by truth. Your word is truth. And it is only the truth that makes one free. John 8:32. Many, even in the church today, are led away in error, sympathizing with people of this type, engaging in what the world says is love. But in reality, it's costing so many the beautiful paradise of heaven to be led away. Although difficult, we should not be harsh and repulsive. But I like the words of Albert Barnes here. And this is what he said, and I uh, present this to you for your thoughts. He says... He has done about half his work in convincing another of error who has first convinced him that he loves him. You've done half the job if you can show people that you truly love them. And if he does not do that, he may argue to the hour of his death and make no progress in convincing him. If people don't believe that you love them, you might as well shut your mouth and go home because they're not going to listen to you. All we do is for the love of the soul, how we live, how we speak, and we want to show people we love them when we teach them the truth. Once they understand the love that you have for them and hope, the reasonable person will see the greater joy of eternity far outweighs the passing pleasures of sin in this life. And speaking to those outside the church and in the world, we would not be right if our speech did not praise God. And that's my last point. Psalms 18 and 3, you may recognize quite well. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. To praise God. To think that all that God has done for you and I and how great God is. How about Psalms 34, 1 through 3. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. The Lord truly is to be praised. He is great. He is awesome. David saw it as a constant to bless the Lord at all times continually, in every situation in life, in every event, bad, good, in joy and sorrow, publicly, privately. David wanted to praise God. To him, God was always regarded as worthy of adoration and praise for all he did for for David. And I believe we should feel no different. I believe we should feel no different. He has done everything for us. He is beyond awesome. He loves us so much. A love we can't even begin to understand to think of all that he does for us each and every day. But especially that he would allow Jesus to die for us in our place. The shedding of the precious blood of our Lord and Savior on the cross. Romans chapter 8 and verse 32. He who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Therefore, as the writer of Hebrews penned, and Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 15 Therefore by him let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name What a wonderful opportunity as children of God to be able to praise him to uh, forever We have received everything from God he deserves our hearts, our hearts outpouring of praise love adoration and even the best that we can do to try to put into words to glorify and praise God is never gonna be enough we will offer praise to God for eternity and everything we do in life as God's people I think we are trying to seek God's approval no matter what we praise him for all that he has done we are not seeking man's uh, approval not man's fleeting ways not man's passions what makes man feel good or what he deems as politically correct, but to be found by God as we should. In all we do, life, action, speech, everything starts in the heart. And I like what David said in Psalms 19 and 14, after describing how precious the word of God was to him and a prayer to keep him from presumptuous sins. He said, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart Be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. comes from the heart. The things I think on, the things I meditate, is what dictates what comes out of my mouth. How I speak to one another, to the lost, to those in the church, and to praise God. In Luke chapter 6 and verse 45, the Lord said, Out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks, if our heart is right then what comes out of us will be right too. Control of the tongue is not easy, it takes time and practice, but we're all trying to be like Jesus more and more each and every day. We're trying to grow to be like him. If you're not a Christian tonight, what keeps you from becoming one? What keeps you from becoming a child of God? When you think about how great he is and how much he has done for your salvation, what could possibly keep you from coming to him and to become a child of his? Can you repent of your sins? Can you confess Christ before man and be baptized for remission of your sins? Then you too can look forward to a heavenly home.